You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life and a dream of the future. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the Creator. And the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists. Ingenious creators of beauty that you are. That beauty will save the world. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning into JP2 Radio for another episode of Letter to Artists. Brought to you from The Vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University, the show is inspired by the beloved St. John Paul II's encyclical, Letter to Artists. And it's led by Catholic artists from our community who desire to share their knowledge and creativity, engaging in their craft and exploring their fields in hopes to inspire you to dive deeper into your relationship with God and pursue the calling he might be inviting you to. So each week we have been exploring a different creative medium. Today our topic is music and we'll be discussing both sacred and contemporary tunes. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped for this show. And our, our guiding excerpt from St. John Paul II's letter to artist is, The church also needs musicians. How many sacred works have been composed through the centuries by people deeply imbued with the sense of mystery? The faith of countless believers has been nourished by melodies flowing from the hearts of other believers, either introduced into the liturgy or used as an aid to dignified worship. In song, Faith is experienced as vibrant joy, love, and confident expectation of the saving intervention of God. As I said earlier, I'm quite excited for today's show, as we'll be covering a broad range of information within just one topic, and that is music. So in the studio today, we'll be chatting with a sacred music enthusiast, Alec Williams, and he'll be giving us uh, insights on the function and history of the beautiful liturgical art form. Uh, So make sure you turn into that later today for your taste of traditional chant and all of his knowledge on sacred music. But first, joining me is a contemporary composer, Amadis Abraham, who has scored a few short films, as well as donates his talents to the church by playing for praise and worship nights and really aids the community um, in songful prayer. So welcome, Amadis. It's so good to have you here. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for, so much for having me. I'm really oh, excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to have you. Why don't we just uh, start in prayer? Yeah, of course. Um, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Dear Jesus, we ask that you please guide this conversation and that uh, several fruits come from it and that everyone who gets a chance to listen to it and everyone that gets to take part in it uh, goes forth and continues to serve your will through music, poetry, art, whatever it is. We ask this in your name as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily daily bread bread, and forgive forgive us our our trespasses trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. us, And lead lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Amadis. That was great. Why don't we just start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, I'm going to try and put this together as quickly as possible. But, Great. Uh, so I am from Hershey, Pennsylvania. That's where I grew up. I was uh, I was born and raised Catholic in a family of 
Are you a typical homeschooled Catholic family? I had, I had a family of eight kids, and uh, all of us were homeschooled until high school, and then we kind of left the house and then did our thing there, and then, you know, college. Um, I did come from a very musically inclined family. Um, all of my siblings play some kind of instrument. Everybody sings. Uh, my thing was... I'm I'm more technically trained in piano, but I was a big fan of playing the drums, which I'm self-taught. And then uh, I had a little bit of vocal training through this choir I did when I was little, but uh, that's kind of the extent of like my technical training. Um, you know, now I, I go to I go to JP Catholic. I, I came here intending to to do film. Like I thought at one point that maybe I was a filmmaker, and, and you know I I, I tried I, I I still do, um I I was taking classes for film and, uh you know a lot of the a lot of the f- classes at JP Catholic are short film related. Everyone's making quick short films on a regular basis, right? So I before coming to JP Catholic because you know I, I came from a musically inclined family. We have a lot of. Um, I spent a lot of time when I was when I was younger trying to learn how to work through production software. So I, I um, kind of independently learned Logic Pro on my own and kind of worked through it on a very basic level. Figured out how MIDI worked. I figured out uh, how sampling worked, and I, I never I never pushed it. And I, I never thought, oh man, I'm going to make songs out of this. I'm going to like. I just thought it was cool that I knew it, you know, like I, I, I didn't like, I didn't think to myself, it's like, Oh, I'm going to be like a big musician one day or something. And, and the funny thing was like, even like my dad, he knew that, um, he figured that I might have something more in music than I did in film or anything else. Cause why I hated school growing up. And then, um, like I actually spent time like actively trying to pursue or actively trying to like learn producing music or like, um, or just like figuring out beats or I'm no, I'm no music expert. Like I'm not a, like I'm barely technically trained, but, um, I know how to use a computer to a certain extent and I can play piano. So that, that kind of got me. And it was a passion that you kind of were like, let me just dive deeper into Mm. this software. So what then do you call yourself a, a composer? What what would you self-title yourself as? Um, Let's dive deep I'd, into that. I'd, I'd call it producer slash composer. Okay. Because even in, in the realm of composing, if we're talking about composing for film, I still kind of, I, from a certain sense, I approach it like a producer. Um, but And that's what I think. I, I knew a little bit how to produce music. So then uh, I knew, I already knew about like sampled orchestra instruments and all these different things that filmmakers were already using so then i i told some of my friends at school i, I uh, he was making a short film for a class and i was like hey if you want i can make some music for this movie but even even though it was even though it was only like 40 seconds long i i think it um i, I think it always goes to show that there's a little bit of more creative effort from even the entire team just when when every aspect is original so maybe let's go through that process a little bit. What is it like to score a short mm-hmm. film? The way this works is um, uh, the first thing is conversation with directors. 
I think uh, one of the more prominent scores I did was for a short film last year called Kaiketsu. It was about a uh, apprentice samurai who who gets uh, who gets justice for the the killing of his master and um the director Joe Cu- Joseph Cusick my I think he's really talented he was very he he was very understanding of what he wanted music to be for the film it's it's always imperative that directors understand or know what they want from music because music can be a it can kind of can be, it can be a conduit for emotion it can be something to evoke emotion or it can be um it can be a a tool to to kind of um emote what happened what's happening on screen uh, like I, I think two two examples of that is Tom and Jerry and Tom and Jerry you have this music that's obviously responding to what's happening physically on the screen right it, it'll it'll give you different feels like but um, if we're going to talk about something like Interstellar, Interstellar by Hans Zimmer, that like that that soundtrack is designed to it works with what's happening on screen, but it's more designed around evoking a certain emotion from whoever's watching it. And it's it's, it's easy to tell just from watching a cut of someone else's movie. You can kind of get a feel of what what should happen here musically, but you all, you really need to know, like, you know, you need to know and they need to know what they want. So um, once you have that conversation with the director, do you have to wait for the whole project to be shot? And then, um, you look at the film and you start. Uh, so it, it, it can happen both ways based on time. The expedited process for this is the assets get sent to me and, um, I like to work off of the first rough cut. Ideally, I would have liked to be involved with the project even before production because then I have, uh, I can get ideas as to what, uh, what sounds I can work on melodies. I can work on, um, like what instruments I might want to use all these different things. Uh, it doesn't have to be like that. It's it's not like super specific a process. It's just like, if I'm thinking something, it's like, Oh, maybe, maybe this might work. Um, like maybe. You, know, it, you don't really know until you see it with the with the movie, but with this short film, you were given the assets, and then you were were you watching them, and then like you know playing your keyboard as you went a, went along. Yeah, okay. So and like um, we just recorded that. Yeah, so everything I do is like digital recordings that are uh, MIDI samples and all these different things. I don't have. I don't have a lot of access to like real musical instruments. I, I try to get real pianos every time I can, um, but because I don't play, like for example, like a, a violin, for example, I don't play the violin and I don't have one. But I can use the computer to kind of simulate what exactly a violin would sound like if we had actually had it, and if we did it in the way I was thinking. Because even though it's a, it's a violin and a keyboard, you still you can't really play a violin on a keyboard. You gotta. You got to do everything you can. You got to like. You got to make use of the modulation wheel to to affect the expression of the instrument, so that it's still, so that you can make it as 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 close as you can to the real thing. But right. it'll never be the real thing. Um, so uh, I sit down with whatever the latest cut of the movie is, and I, I don't mind when people give me rough cuts and I start composing, and then we have to retime those musical cues because it's not. Um, I think 
it helps because we're accurately constructing a vision from rough cut point. Uh, some people like to do what's called temp scoring, which means uh, the director and the editor, um, they have an idea of how they want the movie to be paced with music. So they find, uh, they find tracks and stuff like that that are already out there, that already exist, maybe through a royalty-free music platform like Artlist, Musicbed. And they'll download tracks and then they'll, they'll put them against the edit, not necessarily for like public viewing, but it's so everybody who's working on the film understands what's supposed to be happening. I didn't have a lot of time to do any like prior sketch work or all these different things. We had a, we had 24 hours to get this done. So the producer, he sent me the opening clip and he had some temp music with it. And it had all these crazy instruments. That I definitely didn't know how to play like that. And I was like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And then within just five minutes... I composed something that sounded, um, but I had this really high energy like opening going. That um, <clears throat> so was that part of like the brainstorm, or did that end up being? It ended up being the it, the it, was, it was a brainstorm that turned into. That's, that's the nice thing about digital music is like something yeah. that was a brainstorm you can actually make into the real movie. Oh wow! Um, so, so you kind of go from seeing the pictures to just playing mm-hmm. with it, and then. Sometimes it happens to be the final process. Yeah. I just rolled, I, I rolled the ball and um, kept coming up with stuff. I, I was very careful about how cues for different scenes worked. Um, and by 5 a.m. the next day, it was ready to go. Oh, wow. Um, the, way I, the way I did it is for the software I use, Logic Pro, you can just import a video file. And then your music timeline is automatically timed to that video wherever you need it to oh, be. Especially, cool. and you can once you change tempo, uh, you can you can change the tempo at a particular instance in the in the project, and then the video, like the video works with that. So once oh, you wow. once you hit a certain point, tempo changes once you want to get into a different musical cue. So um, sometimes, like these things will be really simple. Maybe there's like three or four tracks on for like the whole movie. But then depending on how many different musical styles you jump into or how big the the moment is, like there could be like for Kaiketsu, I remember being there being like something like uh, like 40 tracks or oh, wow. something like that. This is yeah. seriously for all of you just tuning in now. This has been such an interesting conversation learning so much about um we're listening to Amadis Abraham talk about uh, how to score a film. Uh, he is a music producer and he, you know, composes the score for some of our short films here. Um, the show that we are, that you're listening to right now, Letter to Artist, is produced by John Paul the Great Catholic University. I'm your host for the hour, Bailey Garland. Um, and so we've just been talking about music today. That has been our, our form of art. Uh, Right now we have in the studio Amadis Abraham. Later in the show, we'll be talking to Alec Williams about the history, the beauty, and the function of sacred music, uh, focusing mostly on Gregorian chant. But um, if that interests you, please tune in later for that. But for right now, we're just going to keep continuing our conversation with Amadis. And I just want to remind everyone of that uh, guiding snippet from JP2's 1999 encyclical Letter to Artists, which is the topic for our show. He says, the church also needs musicians. 
How many sacred works have been composed through the centuries by people deeply imbued with a sense of mystery? The faith of countless believers has been nourished by melodies flowing from the hearts of other believers, either introduced into the liturgy or used as an aid to dignified worship. In song, faith is experienced as vibrant joy, love, and confident expectation of the saving intervention of God. So I kind of want to pivot the conversation now. We talked a lot about film and how that can, you know, uh, music in a film can evoke emotion in just watching something. Uh, I kind of want to switch the conversation to maybe within the walls of our church now um, and the beauty that music can uh, transcend our souls um, through different sounds and just how, how Amadis have you seen, you know, music? I mean, JP two in his words says aid to dignified worship in helping us give praise to God. How has that, I know you've played for, we've played alongside each other actually and some praise and worship nights. Um, how is that? Have you seen that play out in the church? So, um, I've been involved with praise and worship ministry for a very long time. Uh, that was one of my first gateways into music. Um, it's one of the main reasons I understand anything about how music works, how it affects people emotionally. Um, so I, I grew up in a very Catholic family. I uh, a lot of my a lot of my work with music was through the church. So um, I was involved with church choirs, and my my family was and were very involved with this. Uh, uh, Catholic lay missionary movement called Jesus Youth. Uh, it's a missionary movement that started in India as a way to get young people uh, more involved with church and oh, more wow. more in touch with their spiritual lives. And uh, being a part of Jesus Youth um, led to a lot of my being involved with praise and worship events. Or I would I would go to different retreats and sometimes I would just be there to attend, and somehow I would end up like doing music for said <laughs> retreat and I'd be like, what the, like, and, um, which is great. I love doing it. And I, I, I did, it did affect, and, and this is something I, I plan on talking about, but, um, being a part of in, in any ministry, I think like there's a, there's a threshold that you could cross accidentally that would kind of slip into pride or, you know, you could forget, like the higher purpose of it or like the real intention of what you're doing. Uh, so for years, um, even through high school, um, like I said, I was raised Catholic, but I think it was only um, around when I was 16 that the faith actually became something of my own. I really was on cruise control for a long time in my yeah. life. Um, I didn't mean I didn't believe or anything, but I, I wasn't exactly, uh, I, I wasn't living as if uh, there was something more to my life I'd, totally. I'd forget about mm-hmm. I, I would get very caught up in the f- uh, in the finite reality of the universe um uh that was a really good way to put that yeah no, and, <laughs> i think okay. many of us have struggled and been there I, that still happens to me you know, right you know we're doing so many things all the time so uh, the problematic part was that i would still respond to these calls for ministry mm-hmm. so i would I would I would go out of town. I'd go to conferences, retreats, and I would I would I would play music. And I thought it was like, I think there was a certain part of me that thought, "Oh, this is something cool to do." Like, 
like I get to do this. Right. Like a status thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, no, like who else are they going to call to do this kind of thing? And I, I still have that problem now. I, I think I do, but, um, and, um, the reality was that it is true. Like I, I do get to do this. <laughs> like, right. it's, it's like, you, you get to do this and you should do it. Um, and it's a gift. Your yeah, gifts are a, a gift and then you donate them. It is a, it, it is a gift. Um, you're like, you're called to do it. It's like, so I, I, I understood that. It's like, Oh, like maybe there's something for me to do here, right. but not just for me, but like for someone else or for something greater. Um, and like, there's something I'm getting out of it too. So, uh, totally. I would approach music in prayer very intentionally because one, I had to understand and believe that um, singing is praying twice. That's a Saint Augustine. That's a yeah, exactly. Uh, that's uh, that's something I don't think is thought of much, right? Um, but again, the the key word if, if we're going to talk about uh, contemporary music in the church or just in the Catholic community, like the the word the key word is always going to be intention like why are we why are we singing this song why why is the person who's singing it singing it and uh, even if and this is something i also had to figure out even if i have a sense of pride coming to music maybe there's always there's always potential that someone else could still be touched by it totally um so mm-hmm. in your playing a uh, multiple times have you witnessed kind of people surrendering i mean we don't obviously know the internal of their hearts but have you kind of seen that growth or that surrender or the church kind of come alive, the church meaning those who are right next to you in those moments kind of come alive through your yeah. playing? So um, whether whether or not it was through my playing or not, I, I'll never know, but um, I happened to be playing music when I right. saw people enter a very, uh, what else, I'll, I'll put it this way. They actually seem to have a desire to understand more their spiritual, uh, their spiritual place in this world, Beautiful. in this um like actually having that threshold of curiosity as to what what more there might be than what they understand. That's um, a really powerful way to say it. And I think you're absolutely correct. It is always the grace of God, whether whether it is your playing or just, I mean, it's his grace speaking, reaching, playing, no matter what. And I know, I don't, I think you and I have talked about this um, before, but the idea of you know, praying your instrument. It's like work can be a prayer music, you know, playing the music can be a prayer, all of that. Um, and I loved what you said that it was, it's the intention. Why are we repeating these certain phrases? Why do we repeat Jesus? I trust in you. Why do we say the rosary? I mean, one of my favorite quotes is by a St. Jose Maria Escriva. And he says, um, may the, I think it's me. It's something like may the repetition, may the monotony of uh, the Hail Marys root out the monotony of my sins. And that's the mm. same way. I mean, I know in a lot of more contemporary music, we tend to repeat smaller phrases yeah. more often, but there is such a beauty in that repetition. Um, I mean, we often, yeah, we're repeating the same mistakes. We need that same uh, reminder to, to surrender. Um, I know it's also a little bit uh, of a controversial topic in the church right now, just, you know, having praise and worship in itself. But do you, do you see a place for, you know, contemporary music as an aid to prayer? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I think 
ever since I came to John Paul the Great Catholic University, there is a, I, I definitely have had a tendency to lean to a more conservative side of things. There, I know students here that will not walk into a church unless they know they're about to attend a high right Latin mass, which um, is awesome to have that desire to, to, um, to lean towards the sacred liturgies. But there's also a certain point where I think the, the push is a little crazy. Right. Um, um, sometimes, sometimes I do notice the sense of traditionalism also comes with a sense of pride. Um, now this also ties into like praise and worship and things like that, especially since, um, it's very associated with Protestant communities, right? Which is funny because praise and worship is not actually a Protestant idea. It it is a Catholic. It it's rooted in Catholicism, actually. Like the idea of praising God, but um, again, intention always is going to be a key word. But when we do praise and worship, we're not praising God because of something He did. Because of, uh, I mean, it is good to praise Him when we. When, when we come into fortune, but when we do it, we are praising God just because He is. Mm. And uh, I've seen I've seen it go both ways. Sometimes you can you can you can watch people leading praise and worship, and you can really see like how it affects the people who are there, right? Um, which will in turn like that also gives something to you. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I've seen it a lot where sometimes it can be it can be very performative, right? Um, Which is where we go back to that idea of praying the instrument mm-hmm. rather than performing. Again, being intentional, like is the way you play. I, I, I again, I, because I'm no expert, I don't know how to ex- explain this, but the way that you choose to play based on intention is actually going to it's going to influence the the environment. It's going to influence right. Uh, the atmosphere that you invoke. Mm-hmm. Um, Amars, we're wrapping up on our time here. You got any final thoughts on music? Is there anything you're dying to say? Um, sure. Yeah. Even <laughs> even in there is room for prayerful atmospheres. Even in um, even in some secular contexts of music, and I. Um, yeah, music has the has the power to inspire us in several different ways. So I think this our JP Catholic's mission of impact the culture, I think is sits ju- it sits even just outside um, our it sits outside of our churches. It sits um, it sits in art. It sits in music. It sits in film. Uh, we just have to figure out what exactly the same way the music touches people through praise and worship we need to figure out how does it um, like what where what, where's the common ground between that and like a movie for example but the the connections are there um, and they they do inspire each other at least on my end they do absolutely um, oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> thank you Amadis this was so awesome thanks for having me of course awesome. thank you so much for being here today um, I just feel like I learned so much about, you know, how, you know, music is incorporated into short films, how it's composed and, and all those types of things. Um, please continue to pray for Amadis as he develops these gifts that God has given him, uh, and just laying them down for his kingdom, whether that is, you know, in the, the walls of the church or, or outside. Um, yeah, thank you. 
All right, after the break, we'll be chatting with our next guest, Alec Williams. He is joining us to talk about the gift of sacred music, which is known for its beautiful transcendent sound. And he will be sharing his love for liturgical music, as well as a brief overview of the function and history of sacred music. So stay tuned. Are you looking for an affordable and local Catholic education? John Paul the Great Catholic University is pleased to offer the Zero Tuition Scholarship for Cal Grante eligible students, which can cover your full tuition without any need for loans. Located in San Diego County, JP Catholic offers on-campus programs within creative arts, digital media, business, and theology. See full terms and explore additional generous scholarships for local students at jpcatholic.edu jpradio. And we are back with Lettered Artists on JP2 Radio, produced in the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University. I am your host, Bailey Garland. And if you are just tuning in now, welcome. You are in for quite the conversation as we are chatting about music today. We just wrapped up a, a pretty great discussion with Amaris Abraham, who explained the difference between composing music for film and for his personal projects, as well as how a more contemporary style of music has aided his prayer life. Um, we talked about how praising the Lord through song can really aid in nurturing a relationship with God. So now we're kind of pivoting the topic just slightly to sacred music with our next guest, Alec Williams. But before we hear from him, I just want to remind our listeners of the quote from St. John Paul the Great's um, encyclical letter to artists that we are using to guide this conversation today. So here it is, okay? The church also needs musicians. How many sacred works have been composed through the centuries by people deeply imbued with the sense of mystery? The faith of countless believers has been nourished by melodies flowing from the hearts of other believers, either introduced into the liturgy or used as an aid to dignified worship. In song, faith is experienced as vibrant joy, love, and confident expectation of the saving intervention of God. I just love that passage. So that's the, that's the guiding excerpt that's kind of leading this conversation today. And so just keep it in mind as we welcome our new guest, Alec Williams. Alec, welcome. Thank you. It's I, great to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. Before we uh, dive in, do you mind leading us in a prayer? Sure. Great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. God bless our works, our relationships. Blessed Mother, be that star, that guiding star through our day, throughout our lives, that we stick to your course for us. And St. Joseph Cupertino, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alec. Well, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Why don't we just start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Alec Williams. I am a resident here of Escondido, California. I live about 10 minutes away from the school. I'm studying theology and philosophy. I'm a junior. So I'll be graduating next year about this time. And uh, yeah, my hobbies, I like to surf. I was uh, growing up going to the beach. Um, so surfing... Also, being outdoors and hiking, there's a lot of trails in Poway, and then also some coastal trails, too, um, that I like to, you know, get the coastal breeze as you go. Um, refreshing. Uh, I have two brothers. One brother is my boss, and the other brother is not my boss, but they're both lovely, and uh, I love them, 
and very thankful to have them in my lives, sort of inspiring me and guiding me. Um, I plan after college, this is sort of a big, big movement, but uh, after college I plan to enter um, the monastery St. Michael's Abbey, um, which is staffed by Norbertines, the Norbertine Fathers. So that's sort of my, you know, that's my goal as I sort of go through my day-to-day life here at GP Catholic. I'm also in charge of the the sacristan ministry, so I help uh, make Mass happen and schedule volunteers for Masses, daily Mass. Um, And even though I'm not a part of the the creative arts side of things, um, it's still been very enriching to study the... um, the great uh, figures in the church who've gone before us in the faith, the intellectuals, um, studying their works, um, some dating back to, well, I guess ancient Greece, right. <laughs> you know, or uh, Gilgamesh, you know, the ancient Samaria. So it's 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 an incredible like breadth of time and of study, and being able to dive into sort of the the seminal texts uh, throughout those you know, those eras. And sort of relating them to, you know, human nature, which will always last, continues to, I guess, inspire me, but also, like, help me with with breakthroughs in how I see the world and how I see myself in the world. Oh, powerful. And I just love that even though you mentioned um, maybe you're not necessarily involved actively, as you say, in the creative side of things, you're a total recipient of that gift that the Lord has given us through art through sacred music, which we're going to speak about through writing all of those creative things. I mean, you're studying those and in some degree, philosophy, theology, it's all a bit of art, you know, even the Bible, we have the creation story. I mean, there's stories within, we have parables. There's some sort of art that's still touching our lives, even at the core of our faith. Um, And so kind of going off that, I guess, since our topic today is is music, let's just start off at the bare bones there. What do you what do you know about sacred music? What is it? Explain it for us. Right. So I am definitely no expert. Um, I will say I am taking a sacred music class right now at JP Catholic. And so any of the uh, uh, facts or dates that I cite throughout this period, I'll be drawing from from that course. Our professor is the very talented John Palamus. Um, who has experience in world-class operas and musical endeavors, but right now is focusing a lot of his time towards sort of promoting, organizing um, sacred music uh, liturgies in the San Diego diocese around that area. As far as sacred music, I guess it'd be good to like try to get a definition as we move forward. So uh, even this, like this is debatable and I might be, sort of narrow on my scope of sacred music, but how I've sort of come to understand it is music that is uh, composed for the liturgy, right? So the Mass and then the uh, ceremonies sort of surrounding surrounding the Mass, including adoration, right? Um, the office or the liturgy of the hours, depending on uh, which, which, if you do the, the old, the traditional form or the Reformed form. And I will say it is always good to stick with the church and what the church has said about sacred music and mm-hmm. what, what belongs in the liturgy. Um, one, one document I like to go to is uh, Sacrosanctum Concilium from the Second Vatican Council. And that calls for the, I believe it says, the, the primacy of 
Gregorian chant and organ music in the liturgy, basically just because uh, organ music is very beautiful. And, um, well, a big point to make about Gregorian chant, what makes it so special and why people are all sweaty about it, <laughs> is that it sort of was, was created for the church. It, it came from within. And I think originating, well, with the Jewish temple, chanting in the Jewish temple, yeah, Jewish temple to to Byzantine chants, so sort of the eastern side, right? The other lung of the church, mm. um, or eastern brothers and sisters. And then old Roman chant to medieval Roman chant. So chant is sort of developing as time goes on. Although a good place to point to is Pope Gregory commissioning some sort of like unifying music that can be... Um, transported between monasteries and churches so everyone can sort of be worshiping on a similar page, right? right. And so that's beautiful. Yeah, it, it is very, it's so it's, you could, you could make the argument or you could sort of, your perspective could be it, it's sort of, it's to create this unifying, right? Um, this unifying factor in, in the way we, in the way Catholics pray. So in, in um, chant, I know that they have a little bit of a different uh, writing style or the, the flow of music is a little different than it would be, say, in a contemporary style. You want to explain that a little bit on how uh, chant is written versus, you know, maybe today's music? Yeah. So the, uh, the chant this you know, not an expert here. So my terms may not be the most advanced. That's OK. Still a student. But uh, it's so you look at a piece of chant music. And it will look different. I believe there's a different number of lines as compared to like other forms, forms of, of music, music right? Uh, there's little dots, and those dots are called punctums. Punctums, I think. Yeah. And they're just little black dots, and that tells you what note to, to sing, right? And so that's just very like plain chant is just note by note. And it's, you know, it's the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, di, do. It's just those those seven, and then eight is the do. And uh, so you basically just sort of, they're like little dots, but the idea is you sort of want to string, string like like you're sewing, like you sort of string through the dot. So it's not ba, 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 but it's like ba, 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 ba. And you're just trying to hit all the notes as you sort of like wave through it. So it's not supposed to be sort of like a choppy, choppy thing. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as the style, typically when you chant, you're chanting in Latin. So it's good to just sort of like go through the, the words themselves and just know how to pronounce them. Uh, I don't think it's too much different from like seeing like a musical piece, you know. Um, but there is definitely like difference. Going back a little bit to what you were just talking about before, when you brought up um, the universality of uh, chant, maybe to unite all of the rites or um, that kind of thing, we brought up the the organ. And I remember, um, I don't know if you've heard this before, but kind of the re- main reason the organ is preferred at the mass is because it's the instrument closest to the human sound. It's got the like the the same piping whatever is going on in our voices is going on in the organ um and i just think that uh that really resonates then with chant i mean obviously it's human singing it um but it's got that angelic and full sound to it 
really quick, I'm just going to do a little reset in case anyone's um, hopping onto this this episode right now. Um, we are speaking right now with Alec Williams about the gift of sacred music. We were speaking earlier a little bit about the more contemporary side of things with another guest, um, Amaris Abraham. And so if you're hopping in now, this is a conversation you're not going to want to miss. Um, it's somewhat of maybe a, a hot topic in our church, just discussing different musical styles, different forms of prayer. Um, and you're joining us right now at Letter to Artists on JP2 Radio. This is the show brought to you by John Paul the Great Catholic University. I am your host, Bailey Garland, and you are stepping into an incredibly intriguing conversation with Alec Williams about sacred music. And so just reminding anyone just joining us that our quote today from John Paul II's uh, encyclical, Letter to Artists, he states, The church also needs musicians. How many sacred works have been composed through the centuries by people deeply imbued with the sense of mystery? The faith of countless believers has been nourished by melodies flowing from the hearts of other believers, either introduced into the liturgy or used as an aid to dignified worship. In song, faith is experienced as vibrant joy, love, and confident expectation of the saving intervention of God. And so as we reflect on this excerpt, um, it's pretty clear that JP2 felt that, that music could be a real aid to our personal relationship with God, as well as aiding us in liturgical worship. So um, I wonder, Alec, what are, what are your thoughts on what is the function of sacred music, you know, kind of on both sides of that coin for that, your personal relationship and, and in the aid of the liturgy? Sure. I would say sacred music, referring, I guess, to Gregorian chant or and then the most developed form of Gregorian chant, uh, polyphony, where multiple voices are chanting but singing different pieces together, and yet it's written in such a way that it all just just works. And you sort of, you you know what is being said, but you're hearing the different parts of it at once. Um, there's that part in there that that feeling that John Paul describes that that very much reminds me of. Well, actually. Um, Mass yesterday in the um, Mission San Buenaventura Mission in uh, Ventura. Um, there was a beautiful choir in the choir loft, and they were singing just that uh, polyphony with those different voices. Oh, wow. And it's just, you know, the Mass is heaven on earth, right? Um, you're supposed to be transported. It should It should be... You know the ark or the, the sanctuary amidst the the tempest around us. Uh, there's a very cool idea. There's a preacher named uh, Father Nathan. He's with the Brothers of Saint John, and he discussed you know the infant Jesus of Prague. He's often depicted holding a globe. Um, and there's a cross, and there's a Latin phrase that goes with it. But basically, the infant Jesus holding a globe and then a cross on top of the globe. And the idea is that the cross stands firm. And the world spins around it as the cross just stands there. Wow. And it's sort of that anchor. And so I think you could think of churches in the same way where it's like this, this, will, always, this will always be here. This is always, you know, that, that wellspring. It's, it's the, the food we need. Bread for the journey, right? The Eucharist. Um, and so everything we do in Mass is, is an extension or sort of a manifestation of, of that reality and that we are joining with the angels. So there should be an angelicness to, to what you hear when you're at Mass. 
Um, and I, I guess in my, in my own experience, that, that generally, um, I would say sacred music can sort of, in my opinion, reach that more than uh, contemporary music coming into the church. Even though I love, I, I, well, a rekindling for uh, uh, contemporary music, I guess praise and worship, uh, as I was with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal throughout a pilgrimage I just went on, uh, annual Unipara Serra pilgrimage from Mission Santa Barbara to uh, San Buenaventura Mission. And they were just jamming out on a fiddle and a guitar. And I bet they played for like a cumulative eight hours. Oh, just wow. In two days. It was, it was nuts. And they were like driving us on. And it really felt like, okay, like we are, you know, God's people here pilgrimaging a microcosm of our life here on earth. Oh, pilgrim wow. people. Um, but yeah, the idea of the church being that, that place, right? We can sort of come and and uh, unite to the cross, which is firm amidst the things swirling around us. Oh, absolutely. And so um, I'm wondering, when were you um, kind of first exposed to the like the art of sacred music? Has this been something that you've been you know raised in, in the church? Because it's kind of a fallen art in some places. I know I really hadn't listened to Gregorian chant until I was in, gosh, I think it was high school, and they played it for us in the background of tests, you know, was it something that you were like brought up in or how did you kind of come to love it? Yeah. So I'm actually, so my, my whole family, we're all converts to Catholicism. Oh, praise be to God. Yeah. So we, uh, I was raised Protestant, non-denominational. And then in middle school, uh, my dad led the charge of my family's wow, conversion. a beautiful St. Joseph. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Spiritual father. And yeah, he was, a you know, I think just his, his character, um, and my, my trust in him and just the positive, like, human things I learned from my dad. There was a lot of trust in sort of just following him. And I wasn't too stoked about my, my non-denominational uh, parishes as well, except when there was kickball. Uh, oh, kickball. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, no, yeah, so uh, pretty, pretty shortly after uh, we started going to Mass, and what I remember, um, just because my memory isn't the best, but uh, around like my freshman year of high school, we started going to a parish, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And there, even though I guess sacred music as I understand it was maybe not like the, the, the principal form at that parish, there were, it was still incorporated into the different mass parts. Oh, so beautiful. we'd hear like the Latin Kyrie or Agnus Dei and there'd be a choir there. Uh, a full choir to sort of sing that. And so I would, I would encounter it there. Um, but, you know, those are uh, typically the easier tones, the simpler tones. And so you would hear, you would hear the same ones every day. But it was, it was still distinct, and I remembered it. I was like, oh, okay, I've never, I've never heard this, this form of music before. I guess, and then I started, it wasn't until, well, probably just YouTube videos, right? There's a lot of, you know, YouTube is... It's so vast, so you can find <laughs> there's something for everyone. Uh, I, I would find Gregorian chant just playlist or random videos and would listen to those. That eight-hour playlist that you the just eight put on hour and then back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we use for adoration. Here. Totally. Yeah. Um, discovered it that way, and except I, it's it is the most powerful when it's actually used in the mass because that's what it's created for so you can listen to it out of its context and it is very it can bring uh, a lot of peace 
or sort of inspire you if you're if you're doing something. And I guess what John Paul describes in the in the quote here, that feeling of forgetting uh, the quote itself, the vibrant joy, the, the vibrant joy and confident yes. expectation of the saving intervention of God. Beautiful. And yeah, he is so articulate. It's yeah, he's 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 the man. JP two. I know you have your notes here, so I'm wondering if do you know any more about? Um, we've talked a little bit about how it, it was. Uh, Gregorian chant specifically came from within the church. Right. Do you have any more history on that or any snippets that you want to share from your your little knowledge base? Yeah, okay. Let me go in. Yeah, I do have more it. to say. And so I I think before you mentioned like unity between the rites, Gregorian chant, I would say I would sort of refine that and say sure. like, the Gregorian like the Roman Gregorian chant sort of unified like the 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 monasteries within okay. the, the Roman rite whereas mm-hmm. the the eastern churches I guess I'll just say the Byzantine but I don't want to do them I want to do them justice I don't want to uh, mis misinform anyone right but uh basically also chant sort of style you can you can make connections although there are there are differences when you listen to it okay um I guess an example of that would be Let's see. Like, they there's more ornament in, in the Eastern chant. Mm-hmm. So instead of going, like, uh, the up and down parts, like, oh, or oh, 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 and be like, oh, and, like, it's just quicker. Oh, okay. And so it sounds more Eastern, I guess. As But um, a beautiful effect. So, like, trills and ornament is right. very, like, um, characteristic of... Eastern right. So there's the just a little Church. bit of like a stylistic difference y- right, right there. Right. Great. And language too. Like they're, oh, yes. they're, they're chanting Arabic mm-hmm. and we're doing Latin. Um, but it's a, it's a beautiful language. I actually get to um, hear Arabic and the whole school too. We're, we've just got Chaldean mass back on right. campus. And so uh, Father Inquito and his monks uh, are chanting some Aramaic or yeah, Aramaic for us. And then also some Chaldean Um and there's other parts in the vernacular, too. So it's like a synthesis of all the languages. It's so cool. powerful, too. I just experienced my first Chaldean Mass on Friday. And um, with the chant that they do, it would Chaldean chant. Is that what it is? That sure. the proper yeah, name? I think that's fine. Um, they, I mean, it's so grounded. I think something that's so powerful about this type of music is um, it comes from the depth of the soul. Um, and I think that there is, I remember a quote about John Paul II. We'll just keep using him since he is our namesake. Yes. And I remember, um, I believe it's in, uh, I think it's by in the book by Jason Everett, JP2 and his five great loves. I think that's where I where I first encountered this quote about him. Good but book. he would, it was such a good book, would recommend. Um, JP2 would, you know, prostrate himself before the Blessed Sacrament and groan. Um and these deep groanings. <laughs> and I almost feel sometimes when the chant that it's just this deep groan because sometimes, I mean, you know what's being said, but a lot of times it's just like listening to the flow of the, the tone. And I, I mean, it's a beautiful groan, it's, um, but it's that deep, like inner entangling, I think of when, um, that's why I just love music as a form of prayer in general, all across the board. It's just something that um, you can't necessarily articulate in one breath. It's got to be a, a groan. And um, 
I, that might sound strange, but I just, I don't know. That was something that came up right now. And I was just like, when you don't know what to say to the Lord, you sing and um, continue with our, our history of the Yes, buckle music. up. Mm-hmm. There's, there's more here. Let's see. Okay, so here's a fun, this is a fun one, and it'll kind of tie with uh, Amaris's talk. Oh, great. Um, so there's a date for you. Um, Christmas, 1198. Pop music invades the church. Uh-oh. Okay, so think like this is like Renaissance time. So the Ren music, you know, like if you went to a Renaissance fair. Like, mm-hmm. It's more upbeat. Yeah. Like more beer tunes. Sort of bar music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so what is happening? I think there's like festivities going on. I'm going to be super vague as I describe this. Great. But <laughs> Christmas 1198. I think France is the location. And I, I'm going to invent a character. And a bishop is walking along. And he's like, oh, these people, these dirty, grimy people with their pop music, like these hobbit people are just having a joyful time. But it's it's disgusting. We need to get them to church. We need to get them holy. And uh, But they don't want to come to church, right? And so what happens, these, these individuals are part of the Notre Dame School of Music, which is around composing music in 1198 one, one of their one of their people has the idea hey let's let's sort of use this sort of bar tune and implement and, and write music write parts of the mass using this 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 form this style of music and so from there you get like and it sounds very like renaissance so our, our music teacher uh, professor palamas sort of points to that and says from there from there, that's when all these sort of different styles started coming into the church. Right. But it began with Christmas 1198. Wow. And, uh, I mean, say what you will. I mean, I, I think, well, I don't know. It's, it's sort of interesting, right? Like, you can sort of look at polyphony and say that sort of evolved from chant. Um, yeah, I guess you would say that. And then that was just sort of an early instance of like music from the outside being mm-hmm. brought into the liturgy with the idea of let's try to bring more people to, to mass. Right. right? Uh, did that, what, how successful that was? I'm not totally sure. Um, perhaps like immediately, you know, all right, yeah, I know that music. And then they come into mass, right? Um, but yeah, very, very interesting. I kind of love how, what you were saying earlier about uh, the when the world spins, the cross stands firm. How in our in the church has been, you know, it's a pillar. It came from Jesus Christ. It needs to be firm. Um, and so I think it is very interesting how that's why these conversations, I think, are important about going back to what was there in the beginning, what was developed, you know, what came from within the church and what came from an outside source or and if, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, I just think it's like so interesting to say, oh, here is what was done here. Here's why it was done um, and how these things kind of, you know, shift as the time goes on um, and then how we end up getting back. I mean, I know we've had a couple of discussions even at our school. Um, this show is being produced through, through John Paul, the great Catholic university. So we, we reference our own, our own campus a lot. And we've had a lot of, we call them tradismatic conversations, um, thinking about, you know, this more contemporary style, which we've, we're talking about earlier in the show, as opposed to, you know, um, the sacred music. And I think that there's a real, you know, place for, 
for both styles, it's just learning, you know, where is that? And, you know, why is it being done? What is the, you know, purpose behind it? And I think that's why this story about Christmas 1198, was that correct? Christmas 1198. 1198. Wow. Who would have thought I'd remember the number? Um, it's such an interesting tidbit because it's like, oh, this changed because of, I don't know. But um, I just think it's an interesting conversation to have and something to be aware of. And I would, I guess I would just add as a final thing, like, yeah, it was, it was reactionary, I guess. You could look at it that way, like, saw the need, get more people to mass. Right. Bring them in. I bet there's sort of like a similar train of thought there as well. And I think... I even think, today, yeah. Even today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Similar arguments, I bet, just sort of repeat. Um, I guess I would say what I said at the beginning, which is sort of stick to the church and what the church has said, right? And sort of let that be your guide. Um and I guess one one argument to make, one one t- hot take, I guess I hold, is that uh, I think I think more contemporary more contemporary music should be readily available for the faithful because there's a lot of good right. that can come from that. Mm-hmm. But as far as you know, liturgical music itself, right? That's where you'd want to stick to to the to the sacred music. Yeah, and I think that yeah, that is a a big topic of conversation in our church today that I'm glad that we're talking about even within the walls of our community, you know. Be not afraid of these discussions. So I'm glad that you're hearing them on our radio show and um I guess just to wrap up, I'd like to say thank you to Alec for for sharing what uh this controversial possibly topic um being courageous enough to talk about it um and to to share his his knowledge on sacred music with us so thank you alec you're welcome i just one piece of music to recommend if anyone's interested in sacred music uh this was recommended by my professor john palamas and he's one guy to look up to he produces some of his own compositions and posts them so that's John Polhamus, P-O-L-H-A-M-U-S. He posts some sacred music. And then also a, a highlight um, in, the, in the history of sacred music is Misa Pape Marcelli. I believe that's composed by Palestrina, who's one of the top-tier um, polyphonic composers. So oh, great. Misa Pape Marcelli and John Polhamus. Thank our you. Teacher. Yeah. That's awesome. So for all of you fans out there, check it out. Or if you have never listened to it, go check it out. Why not? You know? Well we said, be not afraid. Look it look it up. <laughs> anyway, thank you again for joining us. If you missed today's show or you want to re-listen to our conversations with, with Amaris and Alec, you can check out the encore of the show at JP2 radio.com also on our website you can find all of our contact information all of our social media pages linked up so please connect with us we want to hear from you whether you have a thought on the show from the show if something struck you we want to hear about it okay good bad everything in between we want to know so thank you so much for your time for your listenership i've been blessed to share in this hour with you join me next week right here on saturday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m for letter to artist brought to you by john paul the great catholic university i am your host bailey garland signing off with some encouragement for your day be not afraid you artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark as poet writer actor architect sculptor musician feel the obligation not to waste this talent but to develop it to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole may the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder society needs you artists the world in which we live needs beauty